Welcome to the Real Live Faith Podcast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Janice. Life is a parable. All of creation points to God the Creator. We're going to be talking about how we see this in action in our everyday lives and how we use our good days and our mess-ups to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We don't know in what season of life you find yourself currently, but let this be a season of new life and growth. Join us as we talk about having real faith in real life. More and more, it seems everyone is an expert on the Bible. They have mastered just about everything there is to know or learn in the 66 chapters of Genesis all the way to Revelation. Why are we so quick to hop in the driver's seat and place ourselves in the position of teacher? Not that it's a bad thing, but it's as if we don't put enough consideration into the decision. It reminds me of my childhood friends. Every time we would get together and play school, everyone would want to be the teacher. No one ever wanted to be the student because that wasn't fun. Being the teacher allowed you to be in control and you felt important because you were in a position of authority. That's true, and I would have to say that's probably true of my own childhood. You know, there's a warning that James gives to teachers in James 3, verses 1 and 2. And he's speaking to teachers of God's word, those individuals who communicated the message to people based on God's word. He says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. He clearly warns them here not to be so quick to step into the role of teacher of God's word. God will hold you accountable, and there is a stricter judgment. But why? Because there's the possibility of misguiding others in and through God's word. Being a teacher is being God's spokesman, and your wrong teaching will be judged. Man, that's kind of scary to hear. You know, if we understand there is a stricter judgment for this position, then why do so many in the church today take this warning lightly and without considering its cost in terms of accountability? Jesus warns us in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, from him much will be required. So those in positions of teacher in the church need to be careful what they say whenever they're attaching God's name to it. James is reminding us that we should not use our position as teacher within the church and the impact we have because of it to lead others astray. We have to be careful speaking on God's behalf. We don't want to damage others in the name of God. That's really good. And it's something that we need to think about because often pride gets in our way. And that's when we need to remember that we are forgiven. You know, that is the good news of Christ. We need to realize the gift that we have been given in Christ and never walk around feeling defeated. We've been forgiven. Our salvation is working for us in the past, now in the present, and in the future because we've been set free from our sins. So we have freedom today as believers to walk in Christ. And he is sanctifying us day by day. And so in the future, we will be saved out of this sinful world. You know, the most amazing part of it all is that Christ died for us while we were his enemies. We should never get over what he has done on our behalf. This truth should keep us from pride. We can't save ourselves. Christ did for us what we could not. So we need to share his gospel of salvation with others, but do so in a humble way. You know, one of the great teachers in the Bible is Moses. He was a great teacher of God's word. And Numbers 20 verses 7 through 12 tell us how Moses had an opportunity to obey God and instruct the people with the word that he was given by the Lord. 
The Israelites were still wandering in the wilderness at that time, and they were grumbling and began to panic because there was no water to drink. We find that account in Numbers 20, verses 7 and 8, where it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock, and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses had the word of the Lord, and all he was instructed to do was be obedient. But Moses didn't do that. He followed a portion of the instruction. He took the rod and gathered the people. But instead of speaking to the rock, Moses instead chose to speak to the people. And when he did, his words were not of the Lord. He spoke out of his own frustration, out of his own anger, as a representative of God. He called the people rebellious and spoke rashly towards them. Even when he struck the rock, he added to the number. He struck it twice. Oh, man, doesn't that just make you kind of disappointed in Moses? You know, I think God was disappointed in him as well. Numbers 20 verses 12 tells us the reaction God had of Moses' words and his actions. It says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me, to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. You know, it's as you said earlier, Moses had misused his position as leader and teacher of the people. He spoke words that were not authorized by God. And so as a result, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Wow. You know, talk about a stricter judgment, as James says, right? Moses had to learn the hard way. There is only one God and Moses is not him. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. We should not be acting through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends. But with the humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. This means that we have to put away conceit and arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, we are called to regard others as better than and superior to ourselves. That's what thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves means. But verse 5 addresses the attitude. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but laid aside his privileges, emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Christ is to be our example in humility. He stripped himself of privileges and rightful dignity, but he was still God in the flesh. He never ceased being God. It makes me think of Ephesians 5, where it tells us to be imitators of God. We're called to act differently because we're not just in the light, we are the light. So we need to be careful how we walk because we have an influence on those around us. You know, God has given us a huge, huge responsibility as believers to share his gospel with the world. So we need to take that responsibility seriously and not put a blemish on our testimony or the gospel of Jesus Christ. James 3 is accountability to all teachers of God's word. First of all, I think this gives us a reason to make certain that what we teach of the Bible and of the Lord is sound doctrine and truth. We need to sit before the word and make sure that what we're teaching and speaking is what God's word is actually saying. We need to be honest about what scripture says. We are not to add to it, nor are we to take the world's framework and thinking and mix it in with scripture and dilute it. We need to be true to the pure, undiluted word of God. I think of so many places in Galatians, uh, for example, chapter one, where, you know, we're reminded there is no other gospel but the gospel of Christ. 
He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, buried and rose to life, and now seated at the right hand of God in heaven. That gospel is sufficient to save. It does not need anything added to it. It's not the gospel and something else. It's just the gospel. And something else I think of in Galatians too. You know, we need to avoid legalism and don't doubt your faith. Just keep the main thing the main thing. And last, what comes to mind is, I think it's in Galatians chapter 6, where we're encouraged to rescue those held captive by Satan because we once were held captive. We are not better than anyone else. And we're encouraged to do this carefully so that we don't slip and fall into sin. If you're a teacher of the Bible, look at your study habits. There are many tools that you can use to help you. But don't be tempted to promote yourself and your own gospel and add to what God says. People need to hear the truth of God more than they need to hear our opinion. Be focused on God more than receiving the praise of man. And we don't want you to feel beaten down if you're a Bible teacher and you're listening. We want to encourage you. And, you know, I think the enemy tries to discourage us. The enemy tries to convince us that our mess-ups negate our family ties to God. But once you're saved, you are always saved. Jesus tells us that in John 10, 28 through 30. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So if you're a Bible teacher and you're listening, you know, like we said, we really want to encourage you because it's more important what the Lord thinks of us than what man thinks. And it's also important for us to find our identity in Christ and not in the world. God is the one who created us. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. He tells us that. He made us with a purpose and a plan that was put in place before the creation of the world. So we should never discount God's creation of who we are and how he made us. He intricately designed our every detail and characteristic. And that's often where the enemy leads people astray. The enemy tries to get us to be unhappy with who we are and how we are made. Well, we shouldn't desire to be anyone else. We should desire to be more like Christ. We need to reflect our maker and imitate him. The Bible warns us that in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine. Second Timothy 4, 2-4 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That's a good verse. And, you know, I think there's a lot of Bible teachers who they teach based on feelings and emotions, and they try to encourage people to make the focus of the Bible themselves. Well, newsflash, the Bible is not about you. It's about Jesus. So those who teach the Bible according to feelings and wants and desires are not accurately fulfilling the role of teacher as defined in the Bible. These teachers are the very ones this verse is talking about who will be judged. We have a huge responsibility to steward the message God wants us to share not what we feel it should tell someone. So we need to apply 2 Timothy 2.15 and teach the word of truth correctly. That reminds me of 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 6 that says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared after that. Paul was an apostle of Christ. He received salvation, and then what did he spend his life doing? Preaching the gospel and the good news of salvation to others so that they would know of Christ and receive salvation themselves. Paul says it was of first importance. You can't make sense of or understand anything else without knowing Christ as your Savior. You won't be able to discern or comprehend God's kingdom or any other spiritual thing without first having a relationship with the Savior. It is of first importance. Something else that comes to mind as we look at the examples of those who were teachers in the Bible is uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 where it says that they were approved by God not man. And so the disciples spoke as pleasing to God and not man. And the reason they didn't seek approval of others or try to please others is stated in that verse. It says, because it is God who examines our hearts. And if you keep reading verses 5 through 11 of that chapter, that's basically describing pastors and churches today. It gives a really good job title description. And it makes me thankful for my own pastor and how closely he and our church follow that passage. It reminds me to pray for him and for our church staff. They have a huge responsibility and a heavy burden that's placed on them. You know, even if you don't call yourself a Bible teacher, if you are sharing God's word with others or discipling people, then you are a teacher of God's word. And Paul calls that ministry a ministry of reconciliation. And that gets me excited because so many times I have seen the work of reconciliation in my life and in the lives of those around me at church and through an outreach ministry where we serve. Our God is a God of restoration, and he loves bringing people together and building unity in his church because God brought us to himself, and he is restoring us. And so we can aim to bring others to him through our words and actions. We need to extend our hands and words and love towards others and seek to restore them to God because he is their greatest need. So this week we challenge you to pray for those who are in authority in your church, your pastors and your Sunday school teachers. They have a huge burden and responsibility on their shoulders. Pray for them. And then if you're a Bible teacher yourself, consider that humility is a huge thing and a very big part of being a teacher and a leader in the church. Remember that Jesus is your greatest example and follow his lead. If you have not placed your faith in Christ, why wait? Seek him and call on his name for salvation. Confess that you are a sinner and repent of your sin. Surrender to Jesus today and place your trust in him as Savior and Lord of your life. Thanks for listening to the Real Life Faith Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share us with others so they too can learn about living out real faith in real life. You can check out our blog and shop at reallifefaith.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Gab Social. Don't forget to sign up for our emails to receive exclusive subscriber content. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.